Hi there. So we are uh, in a series, and this series is, as Doug just said, about knowing yourself and being known. Um, and I want to add uh, one thing to what Doug said, uh, uh, one part about this series. I, I think sometimes there are people who like wonder about spending five weeks thinking about ourselves in a way, right? So I, what I brought is my dad's uh, Calvin's Institutes, my dad's copies of Calvin's Institutes, which is what Calvin uh, wrote about the, the uh, Christian religion. So you think to yourself before I, before I read something out of here, if you were to summarize all of Christianity, everything that, everything that the Bible has to say and everything that we've learned, how would you summarize it? Well, this is Calvin's summary. It's hilarious to me that this is my Bible and here's the summary. Uh, but, but what would you say? Like, where would you start that process? What would your first words be? So listen to what Calvin says. This is his very first words. And lest you think I'm lying because there's so many pages over here, this is like uh, introduction <laughs> from other people. These are Calvin's first words, though. Our wisdom, insofar as it ought to be deemed true and solid wisdom, consists almost entirely of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. Super interesting, right? Calvin starts the entire, what he wants to say about all of Christianity by saying, knowing God and knowing yourself are so important. They are the most important. They are the first thing that I want to tell you. So this series is, is exactly in line with that. In order for us to know God, we've got to know ourselves. And in order for us to know ourselves, we have got to know God. So in this series, uh, we've had a few weeks, uh, um, especially in this room, you guys have had all the sort of, what I think of as the positive ones all together. How do you know God? How to approach God? So we, you guys have heard about uh, knowing your spiritual gifts. You've, known, you've heard about the, the spiral of spiritual growth. You've heard about the approaches to God. What is it that brings you closer to God? This week, we're going to talk about the other side, kind of. Knowing your weakness, knowing your sin, is an important part of knowing yourself and knowing God. So today is going to be a little bit more uh, on the downer side, if you will. Um, so I want to talk about this idea of uh, knowing ourselves in our weakness. So I think most people, most people play a, a, a lifelong game of hide and seek. We don't like something about ourselves. We're ashamed of something about ourselves and we try to hide it. We hide it from ourselves. We try to pretend to ourselves like it doesn't exist. We hide it from other people. We don't want other people to know about this thing in us or this, all these things in us. We try to hide it from God. We try to separate those parts of our life from God that we don't think he would like. And this, this really, really hurts us. This prevents us from being able to actually be close to God. St. Irenaeus, has, we have a quote that we've been using. I don't know if the other teachers said it or not because um, I've been off teaching in other sites. But we, we've been using this one quote as a teaching team. The glory of God is a human being fully alive. The glory of God is a human being fully alive. And what I want to say is you cannot, you cannot be fully alive until and unless you open the doors and stop hiding from these things that you've been hiding away. You cannot be fully alive unless you are willing to look at and accept and change the things that you've been hiding in the closet, the things that you've been trying to run away from, the things that you don't want other people or God to know about. You cannot do it. 
But it is our natural, normal tendency to do that. When we sin, the very first thing that we want to do is hide. I mean, you see it in little kids all the time, right? As soon as they, if they're, if they're missing at some point, you're like, what did they do, right? As soon as they do something, they go hide. We also see it in our scriptures. Genesis chapter one and chapter two are the creation, and then man, man and woman sin, and Genesis chapter 3 is the beginning of the sin part of the Bible. But, and one of the very first things that Genesis tells us is that mankind hid. Genesis chapter 3, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They sin and they hide behind trees. That's what the Bible tells us about ourselves at a really deep level. Why do you think the Bible starts with that story as the first thing that happens when we sin? Because that is who we are. We play this massive, giant, lifelong game of hide and seek. And it's a ridiculous game, especially when it comes to hiding from God and hiding from ourselves. Like, how, how crazy is that to read those very words? A man and a woman hide behind a tree from God, right? It's ridiculous. It's exactly like playing hide and seek with a little kid, which you've probably done, right? And they just cover their eyes and they think they're gone. And, you're like, and you all play along with it. You're like, where are you? Where'd you go? I don't know, right? And it's, it's hilarious. This is exactly what happens in Genesis. The Lord God called out to the man, where are you? <laughs> it's hilarious. What do you mean? God didn't know that they were behind that one tree with their arms still sort of hanging out? But man says, I heard you were here and I was afraid because of what I did, so I hid. And that is telling us who we are. I heard you and I was afraid, so I hid. All right, from that point, I'm gonna sort of back the train up and let, let's explore this idea a little bit more of how this actually comes to be because we're not literally hiding behind trees most of the time, but we are hiding. So how does that work for us? So this next picture, this is you. You are just one thing. If it were only that simple, in fact, this is where we're hoping to get back to by the end of this teaching. If it were only that simple, but you know it's not that simple, right? You are split, you are divided and then you divide the divides and it's very complicated. Let's start looking at the pieces that we tend to divide ourselves into. Uh, first, we have the physical side of you, the body side of you. And this part of you is not only the things that you can touch, but also part of the, your mind, the things that you think about um, during the day, the, the sort of on the surface tangible things that you're thinking about. But also I wanna to say to you, they are like the image of you, the thing that you try to project to other people, the mask that you put on in the morning the costume that you wear every day. Now you don't necessarily think about it that way, but that's how I want you to think about it for a second. You wake up, you open your closet, and you think to yourself, what costume am I putting on today? Who am I gonna be? Who am I gonna portray to other people? And it happens to all of us every day. The next part of you is the spiritual part of you, this part of you that's deeper than that, that's lower than that, that's inside the part of you that um, can feel, the part of you that can know. And it's not just in our faith. Philosophers have said for centuries, there's something, there's something undeniable about that I know things kind of below the surface that aren't explained by what's going on. I'm talking to a person and in some way I'm knowing something deeper than what's going on on the surface. 
there's this knowing, this deeper us that's below it, that sometimes we're in touch with, but many times we're just not very, not very connected to. And then there's a third part, this spiritual, the, the soul part, the part that's connected to God, the part that in some ways is God inside of us. This is our truer self, maybe the eternal self, maybe the self that's gonna last, the soul of us. Okay? Uh, so that is how we are made, but it, we are not supposed to be keeping those things separate from each other. We are supposed to be one thing. We are supposed to have those three things be one thing and understand and know each other and be connected. In Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four, if you were a Jew and I said those words right now, you would like, I know what he's about to say. Because these verses are, are some of the key, not some of, these verses are the key foundational verses on, on which we, uh, we understand who God is. Deuteronomy chapter four, Chapter 6, verse 4. It even has a name. It's called the Shema because of the first words Shema, Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Chabod, or Achad. I don't know any Hebrew, but I do know that because, because that is like the foundational verse. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. One, one of the most important things that God wants us to know about himself is he is one. Even though we understand and we know it's more complicated than that, right? God is also three. And if you start thinking about it a little bit, you'll be like, wait a second. God is a, a body. God is a, a spirit. And God is a, a God connection. Interesting, right? And, but he wants to say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You probably have heard that verse, and you've probably heard the next verse too, but you maybe didn't know they were connected to each other. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your strength and with all of your soul. Interesting, interesting to me. It's super fascinating to me. The first thing he says is, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. One, even though I'm three, I'm one. And then he says to us, and you should worship me with all of your oneness. That's also three. You should worship me with all of your spirit and with all of your strength and with all of your soul. Super interesting. He's saying, put these things together. So, that's one way, that's one place in scripture where we see that. Another place in scripture where we see that is in Leviticus. And in Leviticus, you may know from my previous teachings, maybe, maybe not, that I kind of am fascinated by Leviticus. Well, one reason I'm fascinated by it is because it's so tangible. It's so physical. He, the, the book says things through acting them out instead of through heady words. So here's Leviticus chapter 2, verse 1. starts by saying, when you bring an offering to God... When you bring yourself to God as a sacrifice, when you want to come to God and you want to interact with him, when you bring a sacrifice to the Lord, you shall bring these three things, uh, some a handful of fine flour. Flour is made of grain, and anytime, anytime you're in the scriptures and you hear about grain, you should be immediately be thinking body. Grain equals body. Throughout the whole scriptures, this symbol is true. You take a piece of wheat and you crush it up and what you have in your hand is still the piece of wheat, right? It's just crushed. It's the body, it's the, it's the form of it. It's the, it's, the, it's the outer shell of it. 
The next thing you should bring, according to Leviticus, is some oil, some olive oil. And so it says the priest will combine the oil and the, and the flour. Oil, anytime you hear the word oil in the scriptures, you should be already thinking spirit. Whatever they're talking about, they're talking about spirit. The oil is the essence, the sort of inner part. If you take an olive and you squish it, the olive's in your hand, but what ran out of your hand is what? The life of it. The spirit of it. You see the picture, the sort of mystery of like, wait, what was that? What came out? I'm still holding the olive. The spirit, the life came out. And you should mix it with incense, it says in there. Um, and again, anytime, anytime you're in the scriptures and you hear the word incense, you should be thinking soul. You should be thinking God. And then this scripture says, so the priest will take those elements and he will mix them together and he will form a, a single thing he will take these elements this body and this spirit and this soul and he will smash them up and he will mix them together and he will get them all over the stage this is what this is exactly what leviticus is about it's about dirty it's about grimy it's about living something tangibly now to uh, the thanks of martha stewart i'm going to reach over to this other place in my little bowl and what, and what you get is this doughy thing. And that is what the priest is going to burn on the altar. When you sacrifice to the Lord, bring it all. Bring your whole self and burn that on the altar. Leviticus is so cool because it's so physical and tangible. And it just tells you the same message that Deuteronomy told you. All right, so... Now maybe I've convinced you that that's how you are supposed to be. Uh, but the reality is that's not who we are. That's not who we are. When we look at ourselves, we are not that. We are not that one thing. We project images of ourselves. We wear masks that we, that we bring out into the world. And one thing I just want to tell you, the farther and farther and farther you split those from each other, the more lonely you get, the more anxious you get, the more depressed you get, the harder it is to keep doing what you're doing. The farther the mask that you're showing the world is from who you are, the harder it is to live your life. And the more you feel, I can't even put words to it, but I feel like you know what I'm saying. The more you feel like your life isn't what it's supposed to be. You have this deep, deep knowledge that it's supposed to be one thing. So one reason, one reason that knowing God better and knowing yourself better leads to each other is that when you start to acknowledge yourself when you start to acknowledge the parts of you that you've hidden away, when you start to, ex when you start to say, yeah, that thing that I'm hiding from is part of me. Then it brings you into more of a unity position, more of a position of oneness, more of a position of one thing. And that you cannot, you cannot be close to God without doing some of that work of becoming one thing. Right? Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. And I'm saying... You cannot have it to the full without doing the work of combining these elements back into each other. A second reason, though, 
or, or it's maybe a Y below it. So I think that is the, that is, that unity is the thing you're after. A Y below it is that we feel, we feel that those, that we need to hide these from, things from God because of our fear, right? Adam said, I heard you and I was afraid, so I hid. We feel we need to hide these things away because of our fear. But God is saying, no, it's actually, interestingly enough, kind of the opposite. As you bring these things out, instead of being chopped up, instead of being kicked out, as you bring these things out, it actually alters you and makes you love more. It actually makes you understand more about who God is and what wonderful thing he had done to uh, uh, bring himself to you. So listen to this. This is in Luke chapter 7. And uh, so this is one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have a dinner with him. Pharisee, just you probably know, you may know, Pharisees are these guys who were rulers in the church and who really thought a lot of themselves in, in both ways. They thought of themselves often and they really thought highly of themselves. They really, they really thought they were great and they really thought everyone else was not great, right? And they thought that they shouldn't even have to be around normal people because of how great they were. This is who invites Jesus to his house. So you gotta know that in order to sort of see this play out. The Pharisee invites Jesus to dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, contrast, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at, at his feet weeping, she began to wet the feet, his feet with his tears. Now wait a second. If you're, just actually, if you're involved in the scripture, not only in your head, if you're actually living in the scripture a little bit, you might wonder like, how did she get there? <laughs> Isn't it strange to be having a dinner party and suddenly there's this woman standing there at your feet crying and pouring perfume? Please laugh, because, I mean, really, you gotta, thank you. We're gonna talk about this a little later, but when you read scripture, you've gotta live it. You've gotta be in it. You've gotta, under, you've gotta see it happening. Otherwise, you're just here. You're just physical. You're not actually reading scripture from a holistic point of view. Okay, so there's this woman, and she's just there all of a sudden, and she's standing at his feet, and she's wetting his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume, incense. Interesting, right? So now she's got oil, and she's got incense, and she's got tears. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Okay, so when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is and that she's a sinner. And Jesus said to him, I have something to tell you. Two men owed a large amount of money to a money lender. One of them owed 500 denarii and the other one owed 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. He forgave the debts of both. Now, which one do you think will love him more? Well, I, surprised, I suppose the one who uh, was forgiven the bigger debt. You've judged correctly. Okay, so now Jesus sort of walked him in because now Simon not only got the answer right, Simon's the Pharisee, by the way, I hadn't said that yet. Simon not only got the answer right, but still he's thinking, yeah, you know, She's, she owes a lot. I didn't know anything hardly at all. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet. She wet my, wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put any oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven and her great love has shown. Whoever is, has been forgiven little, loves little. 
Now, I, don't, I, think, I think Simon got the point here that Jesus wasn't saying, you actually were forgiven little. For those who think they need a little bit of forgiveness, for those who think they are already there, for those who think they are all that, this is not a lot of forgiveness in the equation, right? I am telling you, there is this, there is this counterintuitive thing that when you bring this stuff out of hiding, when you bring the things that you've been trying to hide from yourself, from God, there's pain involved, absolutely. But one thing that happens that will surprise you is that your appreciation for God, your understanding of the size of God's love, your understanding for how much he has done just grows and grows and grows, and your love for him in return grows. This is an amazing thing. The more of this kind of work you do, the more you love God. From a human perspective, this seems untrue. It feels like if I started, if I started just all the time confessing to you things, eventually you're going to think, well, he's a pretty bad person, and our relationship is just going to deteriorate. No, no, no. This is not how it works. The more I bring these things out, the more I love God. For him who has been forgiven little, loves little. All right, so I'm just going to not give you any uh, magic keys of how to do this, but I'm going to give you a few suggestions of things that you can try. Again, uh, the goal is bring it out. Understand yourself at a deeper level. So one thing, it's a very, very old practice called the prayer of examine, um, and it's, we've talked about it before. It's an old, old practice. And you can look it up online, prayer of examine. It's, it's very simple. You just look back at your day, and, and, and rethink about what was going on. But here's the key. When you look back at your day, you've got to look back at it from this holistic standpoint. Because see, what's gonna tend to happen is you're gonna even categorize your day. I started off in the morning and I was praying. It was a very spiritual moment and there was no physical involved, right? I disconnected myself and I prayed. And then I went to work and I was at work and there was no spirit involved. I was just at work. I was just, do I mean, what, right? But as you use this prayer of examine, you're, you're going back and saying, but what was really happening? But what was happening to my body during that time of prayer? What was happening to my soul, my connection with God during that time of prayer? What was happening to my spirit when I was at work and my body was in this meeting and getting angry? What was happening? So the prayer of examine is just a way to look back and understand your day from this holistic standpoint. Another practice that helps people do this unification is the, uh, called Lectio Divina. And again, look it up, Lectio Divina, lots and lots of materials about it. Um, it's a way of approaching scripture in the same way. Because again, as I've hinted at, we approach scripture usually, for most of us in the, in the West, in the, in the 20th, 21st century, usually really intellectually, just really mechanistically. Uh, but Lectio Divina is an ancient practice which says, no, let's go to Scripture and, and approach it more holistically. Sure, you should use your intellect and you should look at it, but you should also feel what's going on there. You should also understand what God was doing, what the, people, what the people's spirits were doing who were involved. When I teach, I try to show this kind of practice as I go all the time, even today. We're talking about Adam and Eve hiding in, the, hiding in the garden and bringing out, just like, why? What were they feeling? How silly is it? How, what is it like to hide from God? What was God thinking when he walked in the garden, knew exactly where they were, but played along? Where are you? 
It's hilarious. It's weird, right? It doesn't, it's not super highly like ugh, spiritual all tight. It's a, it's a life. It's real. Or when we look at the woman who goes into this house and pours perfume. How weird is that? Really, seriously. You're eating food and suddenly there's this woman in your house and she's crying and she's pouring perfume on your feet. <laughs> there's all kinds of things to live in that moment. Go back into scripture and live it and feel it. And again, unify it. Understand what it meant from a physical standpoint and from a spiritual standpoint and from God's, what God's work was doing. Another thing to do is to sit in silence. Yeah, I've talked about this one before too, but sometimes our we're so attuned to our physical side. The, thing, the things that we think about are so taking over that we just need to shut them off every now and then. I like to think of our spirit and our soul as much more shy than our physicality. So sometimes we just need to be quiet. Just shut up. And let those other things have some space, have some life, have some ability to come out. Sit in silence. And, and we're so like goal-oriented, like, Kurt, what am I supposed to do? Nothing. Nothing. Give some space to your spirit Give some space to your soul to let them live, to let them breathe, to let them inform you. Know yourself. Without judgment, get to know who you are. This, I just want to tell you, I was, well, I was listening to one of these videos about some of these practices, and this woman said the greatest thing. She said, uh, when this happens to you, when you start thinking this way, without violence, deal with yourself. And I was like, whoa, What? She just, she just described me being violent to me. And at first I was like, what? And then I, that was great. How great is that? That's exactly what we do, right? If we sit and we start to bring these things out, what's the first thing you're gonna do to yourself? I am such a low life. I am blah, 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 right? No, 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 no. Without violence, without violence, let these things come out. Now, there's, it's gonna be hard. I'm not saying it's not, but let them happen. Let them be. And bring them to God and let's start fixing them over time. Our tendency is super not that. It's like, open the door, the thing comes out, gah, stabbed in the neck, right? I, I, I'm with you guys. I do the exact thing. Without violence, without violence, know who you are. And finally, be one thing. Be one thing. I, I, in my notes I say, live a simple life. And I don't just mean live a life uh, uh, of uh, minimalism, which I think you should anyway, because it's, but, but I mean live one life because it's simpler. It's really complicated. You guys know this deep down. It is really complicated to live the kind of life that we live where we're all divided up and we have to remember, who am I there? Who am I there? What did I say there? What did I do there? What am I hiding here? Who, am I hi who, who knows this? It's, much, it's a much different life to live an integrated, full oneness of life. So try, try to live a simple life. It's gonna take some courage. It's gonna take some work, but you can do it. I'm gonna pray. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for words and pictures, for words that say, Love God with everything you have, with all of it. Love it all with all. And thank you for pictures of combine these ingredients together and it forms one thing and sacrifice that one thing.
I pray for us. I pray for us as a group that we can start to understand, that we can start to uh, uh, listen, that we can start to have experiences where we understand that when I live one thing, when I become one thing, I'm actually closer to you, not farther. That I don't have to fear you. That I don't have to hide from you behind the trees in the garden. I pray that we can bring our whole selves just even into these next few minutes try out what does it feel like to sing these songs with our whole self in Jesus name Amen